the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. The second reading is from Matthew 28, from verse 16. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here ends the reading. See, there's a notice here. I must make sure the sermon audio is recorded on the phone. Is this going? It is. Good morning. Good morning to you, St. John's. And um, it's really good for me to be invited back. I I really appreciate it. And I I don't just look forward to a really super meeting with you later, which I'm sure it will be. It will be interesting and uh, we'll come up with some really good fruit. But I, I have been looking forward to... Um, trepidatiously sharing with you what I see in, in God's Word. And uh, I want to say that it's essentially I'm, I'm using these texts because over the last while I've been working with St. Luke's at looking at how we reform ourselves, how we move towards change, how we build each other up, how we essentially trust God's Word and build each other up in trusting God's word, knowing that we can be confident in what we read and in what is here, knowing also that we can be confident in one another and as a a body be built up together and know that we can build each other up so that when we do go out to do these different things that the Lord calls us to do, that we feel that we can turn around and somebody else has got our back, that we can do something wrong and something's got our back, but also that we're doing it with a sense of purpose. 
So we also need to have a sense of being confident or, or trusting in the purpose that we have and that we are prepared um, by God, with God's people and through God's word, beginning with God's word, um, to go out and present God's gospel, to present this message of salvation into the world through whichever means God sees fit through you. And so he began this year talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and being reminded that God didn't just pour out the Holy Spirit and there we go, but he's still here, he's still working in us. We are um, what some people might call continuationists, not cessationists. So we, we believe that the Holy Spirit is here working in you, working among all of us, using particular gifts in unique situations that you're in, using particular gifts through these unique people that you are, that God has made you to be. But there's a, a text here that we're reading, and thank you, Avril, um, for reading also from Matthew 28. Now, most of us will say, well, that's Matthew 28. We all know that particular scripture, but I want to point something out there. I, I had a recent chat with a guy called, uh, maybe you'll know, Melt van der Spey, and uh, he was a lecturer of mine at, at college, and it was really, really super just to connect with him over the last six months, several times. And um, I remember him saying that this is not just the Great Commission, but it's a great mandate, and it's an invitation. You are supported by God in what he sends you out or what he calls you out to do. Usually I say to people, please don't read the heading here because these are not scriptural, okay? But um, in this case, I think it's a great idea because we do get the sense that actually we are commissioned by God to participate with God in what God's doing in the world. There are people among you who participate to greater or lesser degrees, and you might feel, well, I can't, or maybe I shouldn't, maybe it's not meant for me, and or I don't quite know what I'm doing in church. Today we have an election, uh, two elections, and, and through that some people will be established, commissioned, in a way, if you like, to participate in particular ways. But all of you, all of us, are called to participate with our Lord, with the Holy Spirit, in what God is doing here on earth. I think it's a, a significant passage, this. Mostly because, well, these are people who are called to a particular mountain. And they obey. And they go to that place. They don't just receive anything, but they're called to a mountain. And it reminds me of what happened with Moses, called to a mountain to receive something that he knew would imbue, or he didn't really know at that point, would imbue the nation that he was with, with a sense of God's presence with them in all things. A sense not only that there is law, but through that law, God speaks to them. Through that law, they can know God is around them and with them and for them and will lead them. Now these disciples go up to this mountain and the text has for us that they worshipped him and some doubted. I'm, I'm not sure really what, what it might mean here, but maybe, maybe Matthew is saying that he doubted a little bit. Maybe Matthew is saying that they all doubted a little bit, which amounted to a great deal of doubt perhaps in his mind. But he says in this text anyway, some doubted. We're human beings, and we doubt. 
we're human beings, and because we doubt, we take certain action, and that will take us on a certain path, which later on we'll think is, or we'll realize is not that certain, because we've gone off God's path, we've done our own thing, and it is because we've doubted. And yet, we see in this text, Jesus comes to them. Though they doubted, Jesus came to them. Has anybody here ever doubted? Okay, all right. When I ask people the same question at St. Luke's, only, one put up, only two people put up their hands. I had to ask the question again. So, um, yes. So you're, you're positive about their doubt. I, I, um, when I first, shall I say, when I was, as I was coming to faith again, I was living in the UK and um, one of my cousins invited me to come stay with him. And he was on pastorate, I suppose you would say, on pastorate with Holy Trinity in Brompton. And uh, so, of course, there they read everything that C.S. Lewis writes. And he said um, one of the key things for him was what he had discovered written there that without doubt there is no faith. I thought, wow, that's interesting. I was quite young at the time, but I realized later, actually, when I bash my head, then I do want to go back to God. Because I'm only bashing my head because I... I didn't realize that God was much better than that thing I was going to. We'll all have doubts. And one of those things comes out, or that comes out certainly, when we realize that we're called to go out, but we don't really feel that we can step out into what God has called us to do. We don't feel that we're all that positive about going out to baptize. People. We, we don't know if we should go out with all this authority in heaven being given through Jesus, passed down for our use. We're not sure if we should go out to make disciples or how we should do it or who could be possibly become a disciple and how we would do that. We don't know whether we could baptize. Again and again I'm asked, well, could this person baptize or could that person baptize? We're not sure if we ourselves can rely on our own baptism because that gets questioned quite often. And we're unsure about whether or not we can teach other people to obey Jesus' teaching, especially when we haven't. The time of Lent is a super time for that. And uh, in case you didn't know it, vast parts of the church, I'm sure people here know it, in case you didn't, vast parts of the church who are like us will now be moving towards a great celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And that's um, on the 9th of April this year, we'll celebrate that. So huge amounts of people will be going into what's called Lent. That's great. It's a really, really super opportunity. You can do it any time. But it's a really good opportunity to take stock, to wonder and to invite God to wonder with you about the security that you have in Jesus Christ. To wonder with you about how positive you are about God's word, about God's presence and your identity, God with you, and about the types of things that God might lead you into doing or where God might lead you in the future. A key thing for me is to keep in mind that whatever it is that you are busy with in God's kingdom, God is leading you and others into eternal life with God. And so we take a walk, perhaps a long journey, perhaps a very deep journey, maybe for some. It's a walk in Jurassic Park, 
Maybe for some, it's a, a lovely walk through a rose garden or through Kirsten Bush. Metaphorically speaking, going hand in hand with the Lord on this journey through the period of Lent. And during that time, I hope that you discover a couple of things. And um, they're there for us, I think. They're there for us in this text that Avril also read from Matthew chapter 4. Jesus being led out into the wilderness, into the desert, if you like, into a very difficult place. Led out and then tested, tempted. I hope that you've got a Bible open in front of you. Last time I realized there were a lot of Avia beer here. Um, if you've got an open Bible, that's super. Look, we are Anglicans with Bibles, so you can be Avia beer here if you like. Matthew chapter 4. There are these three particular temptations, and, and we can look at them, particularly looking at how Jesus responds to what Satan says or what Satan does. I'll be going on for 13 minutes, so I'm not going to fill this up with all kinds of stuff. But it's an adventure for all of us as we, as we look at it. Jesus goes out, and he isn't just led you know, sometimes we think that people lead us from behind. They push us out into some place. But here is the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the desert. So in other words, for us, knowing that Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit who is already there, preparing the way. I think of God's Spirit leading the way for the people of Israel in the desert. A pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud at day, reminding them that God's presence is always there. So here we are with Jesus, and Satan says, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. This is a real question of his identity. If you are the Son of God, Satan would know that this is a reality, but it's, are you sure? Because you can just do all of these things. You can do anything that you like. And immediately that would, of course, split Jesus from God the Father. There's a lot that comes at you and me to split us from God the Father. There's a lot of people in our lives. There's a, a great big world out there that comes to split us from our identity, the new identity that we have, come to split us away from it, draw us into other activity, a different kind of lifestyle, perhaps things that we know are not of God. But you know, one of the key things is that eventually we feel quite confident that these things must be of God. I enjoy this, and I enjoy the question that Satan gives because it's perhaps a little bit of marketing. You know, quite often we are shown, why don't you just do this? As though, and then we take it on as though it's our idea. Jesus is being invited to take this on, this business of turning stones into bread, as if it's his idea. If you're the son of God, I'm sure you could just do this. Go ahead, why don't you? How often have you been led into something, eventually you come through going, well, this was my idea, of course, so it, it must be good. If it's my idea and I was praying about it, then perhaps it must have come from God. Go back to scriptures. Jesus does. Man shall not live in your text if you've got an NLT, perhaps it says people shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I wonder if this text was written specifically for Jesus, this son of man, like we find in Daniel, this son of man. But I think it's also written for us in this particular context that we would hear Jesus saying, 
you go to the scripture first. And he does, knowing that he goes back to anything that comes from the mouth of God. Not our own ideas that we sit on and think this is where we should go to. It's not an easy thing because we go to the word of God and we find there are things that we will quarrel about. Things that we're going to struggle with between each other. We try to work these things out together. And thankfully, if we're in a church of people who support us, who also are built up in how we read scripture together, then we can turn to one another and feel that actually, yes, we're going to go on this journey together. No matter how tough it is, we stick together. Serki, stick together. We stick on this journey together, knowing that the Lord will lead us through it. No matter how tough, no matter how hard it is. Often Graham Bresick reminds me of that. You go through some tough things, some tough questions, and you've got somebody who will just among you say, actually, we want to go in God's direction. We want to hear together what God wants for us. Second temptation is quite difficult as well. I'm not sure how I would respond to this. If, I, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Because these angels, there are angels who are concerned about you. He will command his angels concerning you. So Satan goes to scripture too and opens it up for him. Who, who decides what scripture determines for us? Who decides? That's a big question, eh? Have you ever come across that for yourself? I'm reading this, I'm reading this, I'm reading this. Who do I really go to? It's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So we will take our own directions because we are full of confidence, because we are humans after all. We are special. We are made in the image of God. So we can take our own direction. We can build our own empires. Why don't we? Very often we do. And we test God. And God, eventually those empires will collapse. The church is here. It is filled with God's people. And when I stood here singing, I looked around me and I can see there are people here who've come here today because they're hungry for God's word, thirsty for God's presence in their lives. That, I believe, is why you, you crossed across Main Road, perhaps, but even though you might have driven over a runner or two, you're here because you're hungry and you're thirsty to know that God is present in your life, to know that God's Spirit leads you through all these difficult things and will guide you even when you're having difficulties with Scripture, even when you feel that Scripture is browbeating you. But do not put the Lord your God to the test. There are some very basic things, tenets of our faith, perhaps you could call them, very particular things that we would know. We just don't just run over those things willy-nilly and create our own kingdoms, our own little fiefdoms. The third thing here is the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and their splendor. All this I'm going to give to you if you'll bow down and worship me. What we don't know, perhaps it's not at the forefront of our minds, is that so much of what we get led into is worship of Satan. And Satan is known as... uh, I think everybody here probably knows it. I, I look back and I go, I'm probably cre- preaching to the choir, but you know that Satan is also known as Lucifer. I've asked this elsewhere. and go, Wow, really? What? The angel of light. So much that is evil will present as good, and beautiful, and right. 
This is the right way to go. This is the best way to go. What we don't realize quite often is that people have rested in their own wisdom to create these things. They've already created their own kingdoms and are barreling on full ball in that. Lent is a great time for the church to take, to kind of cut those things off, prune it within ourselves, but also identify where those things are as church. We had a tremendous opportunity during the COVID years to be pruned of what is or what has become culturally church or what we think we should be doing to analyze ourselves and let the Lord again, as people say, take the wheel. Let the Lord again show us his pathway, his holy highway. What we're often doing is just supporting the kingdoms that other people have built up around us, supporting our own little kingdoms. It's very difficult to let go of that. We build up important foundations in our lives. What we often might, what we might discover, and hopefully you can discover, is some of those foundations are built up on a trauma, built up on something very difficult in your life. So you respond in the world according to that or based on that. Difficult to let go of that. And the only person who can actually make that happen is Jesus, God's Holy Spirit, here with you to shake those foundations and remind you of God's power, to bring God's peace, but also show you not somebody else's kingdom, not the kingdom that you want to build up. Satan shows Jesus this, all of these kingdoms all around him. It seems like it must have been something perhaps in a dream or a vision. Um, perhaps it was that he stood on a mountain and saw these vast landscapes and realized these are different people's kingdoms. But for all of us, we've got our kingdoms that we try to build up, that we try to hold on to. Even in church, maybe you didn't realize that, but we have our little fiefdoms in church. Cape Town is full of cliques. Churches are full of cliques as well. We have our agenda. We build up on them when we get little teams together. And that's difficult to break up because we have a belief. We have an understanding. And we act out of our beliefs. But we also know that we don't want to be bowing down and worshipping Satan. We just don't always know if we're bowing down and worshipping Satan or God. I'm pretty sure that some of us would believe that there are things that we're doing ordinarily that must surely be of God. Lent is a good time to take stock, to ask the Lord, is this from you? Have I built up a kingdom around something else, around pain, around what Satan wants, around a kingdom that is never going to last? And Jesus comes to that point, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only, because the kingdom belongs to God. The universe is God's, and you have given yourself to God. You belong to God. He's paid for you with a price. All that you do is to serve God and inherit the kingdom that God has for you. They will not rust. It won't go away. It's an eternal kingdom with God. We move towards that. I think your church is moving towards knowing that, understanding that, and teaching that. So when we do go out, though we go out with some doubt, though we go out with not as much confidence as we imagine we would, we know we're led by God. We can have confidence in His Word. We can have confidence in the people around us to back us up. 
we can also have confidence knowing that we've been prepared to go out to do these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.